0: The tour content from now through Pesach has been sponsored by the Kofsky family in loving memory of Adira, who loved big ideas and asking big questions. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneweis, and this is the Stoic Jew podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today is my 38th birthday, and so I thought that I would do what I did last year, which is to make a birthday episode of the Stoic Jew podcast. I didn't know what I wanted to record this episode about, so I actually went back and listened to last year's birthday episode, and it was then <laughs> that I had a uh, very powerful realization and knew exactly what I wanted to talk about in in today's episode. So, last year, I talked about Epictetus's allegory of the soldier. Okay, and uh, I still stand by all the ideas that I said, but the uh, the theme basically was Reflecting on my transition from high school teacher to the new role that I had in yeshiva and at the time at Lomdaha as well. And the transition was something that was still relatively new at that time and is something that I was trying to figure out amidst the stresses of the pandemic. And I was also grieving the loss of my identity as a high school teacher, as you can tell when you listen to that podcast. So little did I know, <laughs> at the time that I recorded that in January of 2021, that I was careening towards burnout. Actually, I had already burned out several times, uh, but I was I was careening towards uh, absolute burnout, and uh, and uh, it was not good. <laughs> that that burnout was not to catch up to me until. Until the spring, but basically, uh, you know, it's not surprising that I latched onto the muscle of a soldier waging a war. Uh, I, I think the ideas that I explained in that podcast are again are still true, but I think that I really felt like a soldier fighting a war, and I just wasn't cognizant of uh, of the strain I was putting on myself at the time, so. After listening to that, I was trying to think about what has changed this year, a year later, and what has gone on in between. So the passage that came to my mind was something early on in Marcus Aurelius in book two, paragraph or chapter six. He says, you are harming yourself. You are committing self-harm and you will have no second occasion to show yourself respect. Brief is the life of each of us, and this of yours is nearly ended, and yet you do not honor yourself, but commit your well-being to the charge of other people's souls. Now, when you read this, it it sounds extreme, and again, he was writing this for himself without any knowledge that this would be shared by other people and read by other people, but, you know, you read elsewhere in Marcus Aurelius, and he puts so much emphasis on, on duty and responsibility for for the well-being of other people and for the system and justice and all this other stuff. And here he is really taking a much more selfish and I don't mean selfish in the bad way. I mean selfish in the the self-care way. Uh uh, a much more selfish approach than we usually see Marcus really take. He's saying that he's harming himself. And the way that he identifies he's harming himself is he is not taking charge of his own soul and he's committing his own well-being to uh, entrusting that to others. So, what does this have to do <laughs> with uh, with my birthday? Well, when I look back on the the three hundred and sixty five days that have passed from my last birthday until this birthday, uh, I see a uh, a clear, uh, arc right. So at the at, in January, as I mentioned, I was uh, I was just working, working, working again. Last year was the the year that I, I hit rock ceiling. I did too much. I was teaching thirty, uh, giving teaching thirty classes or a week, uh, and uh, and just putting pressure on myself to just keep on working at every second of the day. Uh, and then when I crashed in the spring, that began a long and intensive process of. Of self-care, taking better care of my own mental health and my work habits, uh, which I worked on intensively over the the course of the summer, and then began to implement in the fall. And uh, looking back at this first semester, this uh, fall semester in the academic calendar, uh, at how well I did, uh, i I'd say that I gave if I had to give myself a letter grade, about how well I did in terms of self care, I would say it's somewhere between a B and a B plus, maybe a, uh, a B plus on good days, uh, which means that there's room for improvement. And uh, this is something that I think is going to be just just as my birthday. My birthday comes in the middle of the school year, right in, in January, at around the time that we switched semesters. So last year's reflection caught me in the middle of a transition period. I think I'm in a transition period as well here as well, also is that last year I was still. Even though I was no longer a high school teacher, I still was teaching high school students because uh, I had the job at Lumdeha. And this year, I'm fully in yeshiva and teaching uh, here. and I no longer have any real identity as a high school teacher. And over the course of the year, I've come to understand and take charge more of of uh, I would play a greater a greater, more proactive role in shaping the role that I am in now. And that has been, Tempered by my recognition that I do need to take better care of myself if I hope to last, and uh, and so that's why this passage from Marcus Aurelius really uh, leapt out at me because he's reminding himself that that you know we only have a limited amount of time, and you cannot attach yourself to a lifestyle in which you are constantly causing yourself harm. And again, this is what I this was the major realization of twenty twenty one for me was how much harm I was causing myself by my work habits, uh, and by my neglect of my own, uh, uh, mental, uh, health and, and well-being here. Uh, and just, you know, saying yes to everything and thinking I could do everything and that I had to do everything and putting all this pressure on myself. So, so that's still a work in progress. And, uh, and I hope to continue that into this year. Now, if you'll permit me to wax poetic or to wax midrashic or dr- you know, dr- drushic, I guess, um, you know, this is, I'm, t- I'm turning Uh, 38, by the time uh, this episode goes up, I'll be 38. And what that means is that I'm beginning my 39th year, right? Now, I'm not a numerologist, but I don't think you can tell, uh, you could say the number 39 to a Jew without uh, at least one association. And I have two associations, right? So one association is the 39 malachos, um, the 39 forms of prohibited uh, creative uh, labor uh, that are prohibited on, on, on Shabbos. And I'm reminded of the Rabag, who says that Torah itself is a malacha, is a craft. And I'll quote here, this is from his commentary on, uh, in Vayikra 23, Leviticus 23, when he's talking about the special offering that's brought on the holiday of Shavuos. He says, uh, I'm just going to quote from the end here, he says that, uh, this serves the additional purpose of elucidating the essence and character of the Torah. The Torah is not in the class of natural phenomena, but rather it. Completes us or or perfects us. Uh, I believe the Hebrew word is mashlemes osanu. In the same manner that many of the crafts, the malachos assist nature and perfect it. For example, like agriculture and the other such arts, the same is true with the Torah. Man's natural capacity to acquire human perfections is actualized through the Torah regimen by those who practice it in a perfect manner. Moreover, just as the malachos which perfect nature are enacted by free choice, the same is true with the Torah perfection. Sorry, with the Torah regimen. Um, for these reasons, the perfection of attained by means of Torah is compared to the perfection attained by means of malachah. Now, he says Torah is like malachah, but he gives a specific uh, example of the type of malachah that, uh, that, uh, that 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 Torah is compared to. Uh, he says it's like agriculture. So to borrow, I don't know who originated these terms, but Mortimer Adler, in his essay on teaching and learning, talks about, uh, he says that there are many different types of arts, but there are three the, there are three cooperative arts, whereas the other types of art are, are operative, okay? And so what he means by that is, let's take uh, shoemaking, okay? So shoemaking is an, an operative art, which means that the product does not occur naturally, okay? That a shoemaker takes the raw materials and then applies the craft of shoemaking and then produces something that doesn't exist in the natural world. However, there are three arts that are cooperative, which means that the processes do occur naturally, but in a less perfect form. And it is the role of the craftsman to work with nature to bring about the product in a manner that that is more perfect than would occur in nature. And those three cooperative arts are agriculture, uh, medicine, and... And education right so agriculture is easy to understand that things grow in nature naturally but the role of the farmer is to remove impediments to growth and to to uh, use their knowledge of how these things grow to to facilitate the growth in a way that's more abundant and healthy et etc et etc okay same thing with the doctor the doctor does not actually heal. The patient right the the god created the human body in, with an immune system and with all of its bodily systems that heal uh, that the body heals itself but the doctor's role is to facilitate that process and so too with education with a teacher that every human being learns by themselves uh that there's there is no other way to learn there's there's learning by but uh, all learning is i think the, the way adler says it all learning is by self-discovery meaning discovery uh that takes place by yourself but then there's Unaided discovery and aided discovery, and the teacher's role is just to facilitate the student's ability to discover knowledge on on their own. Uh, so, so Torah is a cooperative art. That it is possible to perfect yourself without Torah, and very very difficult, you know. But we we that's who the avos were the our forefathers Avraham, Yitzchak, and Yaakov perfected themselves without Torah, and uh, and the notion that any of us could think that we could do that is is absurd. But but constitutionally, it is possible to perfect yourself without Torah. Uh, it's just you're not going to have a very good luck doing it. So so the idea is that the, the Malacha of Torah takes the human being's natural capacity for perfection as a truth-seeking intellect and brings it to fruition through its laws and its morals and its ideas. Okay, so... Applying this to my own life, I mean, this is something that, I mean, it's a work in progress, but I think that because I had been a high school teacher for so long, and that was the mode that I was stuck in, uh, and I did develop through that, but I think last year, being thrust out of that role into this new role kind of forced me to take stock of how I engaged the Torah regimen, and and it really kind of forced an opportunity to level up, and I, I feel like that's what I have been experiencing over the course of this past year, and what hopefully I will experience in this coming year, and hopefully what I'll help my students to experience as well. Like you know, it's it's a it's a a mutual journey. So, um, you know, striking that balance between figuring out between self knowledge, like what am I as a human organism, and then knowledge of the craft of Torah, and then and then skillfully applying that through my own free will, applying the Torah craft to this being, this creature that is myself, that is a a process that takes a lot of, uh, of balance and scrutiny and trial and error. And that's been part of my, uh, that was part of my growth last year. And I, I anticipate that being a part of my growth this year. Okay. So I mentioned that there are uh, there's at least one association to the number thirty nine <laughs> the other association that I have here, uh, other than the thirty nine Malacos is uh, is the thirty nine whiplashes that is the maximum that a person can get for <laughs> for for you know in the time when we had a, a court court imposed punishments and uh, and that I associate to because of the Marcus Aurelius thing of you're harming yourself, uh, and I I just really think that I have to keep continue to keep this at the forefront of my mind, not to push myself in ways that that uh, that uh to use um, what's his name Greg McEwan's um phrase you know he says that the, the, the you have to protect the asset right you you're you're you're, 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 you're what did he say oh, let me just read this phrase I wrote about this in the summer uh, give me one second I got to get the exact quote. He said that um, yeah, your obligation is to the highest point of contribution you can make, um, and uh, and yeah, I have to keep remembering that and remember that whenever I say whenever I'm asked to do something, uh, then whether I say yes or no should not be based on whether I can do that thing, rather it should be based on if I say yes to this what is going to happen to my overall ability to contribute uh, as a whole? And if the answer is that it's going to be detrimental to that, then I'm going to have to say no, even though that means giving up a certain benefit that I might be able to confer on someone else at this point. Yeah, so here's to the 39th year uh, as I turn 38. And uh, uh, again, I will use this as an opportunity to thank all of you for for being a part of this journey and for supporting me, whether through listening to my podcast or attending my shirim, or through uh, especially through the financial contributions. Again, I can't underscore enough how much that helps. And you know, one of the things I have anxiety about this year is my finances are changing, uh, and so there's even more need than uh, than there has been in the past. Uh, but but thank God I've been uh, able to uh, to continue to to. Um, you know, to make this content and to not have to, uh, resort to the type of, uh, of tutoring that, uh, on the scale that would be, you know, that would, <laughs> that would, that would diminish my ability to make this tour for you. So, uh, thank you to those of you who have contributed. And, uh, and again, I mean, it's, I'm, I'm astounded when I, I started this, uh, the sponsorship model, uh, in the summer that thank God Every week of Torah content this year so far has been sponsored by somebody, and I, I thank you for that. So, um, yeah, from the bottom of my heart, thank you so much for your support, and uh, here's to another year of of learning and growth. That is it for today's episode. If you have gained from what you've learned here, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you'd like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at matt and my Zelle and PayPal are mattshneweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with a financial freedom to produce even more Torah content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbashneweiss at gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening, thank you to my readers for reading, and thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make Torah ideas available and accessible to everyone.